We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. I hope everyone enjoyed the episode earlier this week featuring uh, Chris Long talking his five favorite movie hangs. It's one of my favorite episodes. If you haven't yet, go and check it out. Uh, You might be wondering why we're coming to you on a Thursday. Well, we're coming to you on a Thursday because Ted Lasso's back, and we... We could not quit this show. We could not quit doing these episodes. We're doing a season two mini rewatch. We're going to drop quick Thursday recaps. And welcoming back on the podcast, someone I had to have back to talk Ted Lasso, is my co-host for the season one rewatch, Alex McDaniel. Alex, welcome back. Hi, it's been so long. How was your one week break? <laughs> it was great. I got a lot done. I relaxed. I traveled. I did everything. <laughs> that is that is everything. I'm glad you got all that in because we're back talking Ted before we get into it. Uh, what do you have going on at For the Win? You guys just did a Ted Lasso week that was awesome at For the Win. We did. And it's one of those things. So we're having a lot of fun. For the Win, ftw.usatoday.com, by the way. Um, that was already in the works before I got there. And so it was very funny because people were texting me like, you've only been there a few weeks and there's a Ted Lasso week. But that was, I can't take credit for that. That was the staff being wonderful. I think it was like day two, I was having a meeting and two of the staffers were like, we've already watched the first eight episodes of season two. <laughs> I just wanted to like throw something. I was Why so didn't you and I get screeners? Why was no one, why didn't no one alert them of our massive podcast talking about Ted Lasso? Why, did, why didn't we get these DVDs? <laughs> to be honest, I might have gotten one, but I, oh. didn't, I didn't watch it though because I had to watch it by myself last year, week by week. I didn't like, I was telling people to watch it, but they weren't really into it. And this is something I really want to experience with everyone week after week. So I got the link or whatever, but I didn't use it. I so. am so impressed by your restraint. <laughs> um, so impressed. Um, folks, if you haven't, Alex wrote an incredible piece about just the character arc of Rebecca, really. Just an excellent piece. Uh, everyone go check it out. It was, it was phenomenal. I was very, very impressed. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. And 
you have another podcast to promote. Oh my God, we do. We just finished season one. So it's Ain't Slayed Nobody. Um, if you're into Dungeons and Dragons, that's what I always go to, or any tabletop role-playing game, it's this, but with like a really highly produced, polished podcast that I have nothing to do with the production on. I'm just there to play. Um, so you can listen to it at Ain't Slayed Nobody on all of your podcast platforms, and you can follow us at Ain't Slayed on Twitter and Instagram. And I have something to promote before we get into it that's big screen sports related. We have launched a Patreon for this show. Uh, and shout out to the most recent patrons, uh, Christine, Connell McNellis, and Andy Lyson. Uh, thank you for your support. Uh, it's for folks who want to support the show, want to have input on episodes of the show, and of course, stickers. Most patrons get a sticker. We just got some stickers in. They look great when, they are, cr- when they are crookedly <laughs> placed on a laptop. I can... Uh, <laughs> I can say that from firsthand experience. So, yeah, if, you've, if you're interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash bigscreensports. Uh, and this podcast is produced by our producer-level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, and Christine, just Christine. So <laughs> uh, um, with, without further ado, let's get into it. Ted Lasso, Season 2, Episode 1, Goodbye, Earl. AFC Richmond brings in a sports psychologist to help the team overcome their unprecedented seven-game tie streak. Alex, we don't have opening questions as a topic, but this one just came to me. Do you prefer this episode, Goodbye Earl, or the Chicks song, Goodbye Earl? <laughs> it's funny because before I watched it and I saw the, the episode title, that's what I thought about. I was like, oh my God, is this going to get dark? I had no idea what was going to happen, but I don't prefer either of them. They're kind of both tragic. They are both very tragic. I'm also shocked that Ted, a man who makes many pop culture references, did not reference Goodbye Earl um, after Earl. But just kind of an opening thought when you you've had the longest wait for this because you you've been on this show for, you know, since its inception. Yes. When you finally got to watch this last Friday night, what was I guess last it was late Thursday night, really, mm-hmm. when it when it came out for us in, in God's time zone, central time. What was what was your, what was your initial thought? What, what was your reaction when you when you let this set in? Well, here's what's funny. I was talking to my best friend at the time. We were FaceTiming and he was vacationing at the time in Hawaii. So he was like five time zones behind. And we were going back and forth like, when is it going to drop? Is it? I assumed it was going to be midnight Pacific time because that's when like Disney Plus shows and stuff dropped then. So I wasn't too worried about it. I was exhausted. I needed to sleep so badly. And so we're talking and he's like, you really need to get some sleep. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I really need to get some sleep. And then five minutes before we get off the phone, I see that it dropped. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be mature and I'm not going to watch it. I'm just going to wake up early tomorrow. And like 10 minutes later, I'm in bed with my phone under the blanket watching this episode. Because <laughs> it just, it was such a long wait. And so, oh God, it was just, it was wonderful. Like I've never been so happy to start a new season of a show in my life it was it was a master class i was it was in it was thursday it was thursday night for us and i was wondering i saw some tweets about it dropping so i went to check it and we were we went to the beach last weekend and so we were at we had just settled into this really tiny airbnb and my wife and i we watched it on a laptop in bed and it, it was a master class like per That's usual so was able to hit a, i know right <laughs> just watching ted lasso in bed 
uh, it, it hit all these points. It caught us up in our favorite character so quickly. And I fired off some tweets about it. I, I went spoiler free with the tweets, but I was just like, this show is incredible. And you liked one of them. And then right away I texted you. I was like, I'm so glad you're awake and you watched it because it's, <laughs> it's so good. I, I, I was thrilled. It was, yeah, it was great. I mean, even though it starts in such a tragic way <laughs> with the dog dying, like not even just dying, dying, but getting, you know, like pummeled with a soccer ball. Got to imagine it was a brutal death. It was very, I'm sure it was very tough to see in person. <laughs> we didn't have to see that. But of, of all the people in the world who could have killed the dog, did it have to be Danny Rojas? The sweet, The sweetest innocent. man. <laughs> it was shocking. And I honestly, like I had a friend who, she's another media person and she got the screener and watched the screener. And she warned me beforehand, she's like, the first episode's a little weird. But if you can stick with it, like, it'll be fine. And I was really scared. I was like, oh, no, it's going to. But it wasn't. Like, yeah, it was weird, but it didn't take me out of it. It didn't make me think, like, oh, this is going to be a disastrous season or this is so different. It was kind of nice seeing something, like, directly sad as opposed to a bunch of metaphors we have to pick apart (laughs) immediately. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. And we're not, unlike our season one recap, we're not going to essentially break down every scene in the episode but i I do want to just touch on what a wonderful opening scene it was and i don't know if when they started making it they realized kind of how much pressure would be on season two because of the phenomenon that it is this this is arguably like one probably like a top three thing going on in pop culture right now is ted lasso oh tv and film and it's so it's this this big opening set piece we've been waiting for this forever and it's a great opening scene. It's something the previous season could not have done because it had to do all this exposition in the first episode. An incredible, an incredible pilot episode. But it reintroduced us to a bunch of our favorites. We really see everyone of note from last season besides Jamie, Rupert, and Roy in this first season. So we're, we're introduced to a bunch of our favorites. We care about this penalty kick. Like, we need it to go in. It flexes a little budget with the, the big soccer set piece. It does a lot to introduce us to where we are, especially with the voiceover of, like, the thing about the ties and stuff. It's a really good opener. Oh, it's wonderful. And, like, am I the only one who was just thrilled to find out they had so many ties? I was like, <laughs> all right, we're improving. This is great. I was so scared we were going to go into them having just another shit season. I'm like, I don't know where to go from here. I know, I know. And it, but that's the thing is now after this first season, we care. We care how they're doing. It's important to us. I know. And so, yeah, now we're into it. So something I'm going to ask you, we're, we're just going to go, what was your best scene? And I will say I took notes like like we were doing one of our deep dive recaps. So I... <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be picking one on a whim because I took a lot of notes on a, all the scenes because they're they're just so good. And if you want to see those notes, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/BigScreenSports. But um, <laughs> what is what is your what was the the scene of this one for you? What stood out by far by a mile? Maybe one of the best scenes in the entire series is after Rebecca goes on the date with a perfectly normal and fine guy. He's like he's fine. And so he, they go on a double date with Roy and Keeley. And his, what's his last name? His name is John. What is it? It's a crazy last uh, name. It's the bar thing, isn't it? Like Wings, wings Night or something. Yes, Wings Night. <laughs> and wings so night. it's wild. And, um, you know, and he's fine. Like, he's nice to her. I mean, that's the thing. She's just gotten out of this abusive relationship. She's rediscovering herself. So from the perspective of somebody 
who has just gotten out of a bad situation, this guy's a serious upgrade. Like, he clearly adores her. He's a little boring, but he's not mean. He respects her. There's nothing inherently wrong with him. Rooting for two sports teams is very wrong. We'll, uh, that, we'll just say okay. that. Okay, that is true. Rooting That's for a two, sin. He's, he's very much a guy who adapts to situations to be liked. And, like, who among us, right? So people like that but he's not he's not a villain he's not somebody who like he you can tell he truly likes her you know he's not rupert exactly and i think rebecca you know of course she would be attracted to a situation with a guy who really likes her who isn't mean and isn't manipulative and whatever so she goes on this double date with roy and keely and clearly roy is having to drink his way through this date because it's unbearable and then they get outside and um, Rebecca's like, how did it go? And Keely's trying to be nice. Like he's age appropriate. He's financially appropriate. Roy is not here for this shit. And he's like, fucking hell. He's like, he's fine. And that's okay. Most people are fine, but you deserve to be with somebody who makes you feel like you've been struck by fucking lightning. And like Brendan Hunt wrote this episode. And I just want to say that is one of the most powerful things I think I've ever seen on TV. I mean it. When I started bawling my eyes out when I saw that and I didn't even know why. I'm not I believe going my wife anything. also started crying. Like it was a stunning moment for me. It is so good. Like can you win an Emmy off one scene because like let's so. give <laughs> let's let's give Brett Goldstein the Emmy. He said at the end he, don't you dare settle for fine and then he tails off not that it's any of my business. Like he's just <laughs> he's just had this explosion but it is it is such a it's a standout moment and it's like 20 minutes into the season. I'm telling you, like, I know people are going to have different reactions to different things. And this is obviously a show that people connect to on a personal level for one reason or another. But I just, and I sent, I recorded that scene, like, on my phone. And I sent it to all my friends. And I'm like, if you have not watched this, watch it right now. Because this is why I need you to watch it. It's so powerful. And Rebecca's stunned by it. Like, she doesn't disagree. But she's kind of caught off guard, like, wait, I thought I was doing a good job. I found somebody who isn't like Rupert. And you did, girl. You did. We all go through that. Where it's like, you know what? This person is safe and normal and comfortable. And that's enough. But that can't be enough, folks. I don't know why this turned into a lecture. But it can't be enough. We can, we can have a, you just shouldn't be with somebody who makes you feel okay. What's the point? You can make yourself feel okay. We've got to find someone who makes you feel like you've been struck by fucking lightning. Struck Everyone fucking lightning. find that for yourselves. Find it and then tell us about it. Yeah. I mean, this show does a ton with dinner, just this episode, <sighs> because at the same time, you've got the parallel dinner with Beard and Ted. It's deep, but it's Incredible. also it's also funny. We, we love a, a Gin Blossoms dialogue. It's something, oh my that, God. something that we needed, but it gets into Ted's aversion to therapy and then a great point made by Beard, and also, you know, Beard, noted sex haver, has dated a bunch of dancers. We're glad, <laughs> glad that that theme is going. But it's it's something that I think is going to be, um, I think the show kind of keys us into. This is going to be a long term plot point for this show. Is is Ted in this in this sports psychologist and Ted's kind of aversion to therapy because of a bad experience, which is a very authentic thing. Yeah, I think the most unsettling thing about this episode because there's so much good about it. It's the clear realization that Ted is not okay. Like, at no point did I feel Ted was okay. He was always uneasy. He was always uncomfortable. This wasn't like the Ted that we all fell in love with. And I'm not saying that he's changed, but I think possibly he feels more comfortable in the environment to be more authentic. 
and be who he is. And he feels like he can be more open about that. I mean, you still have like the eager Ted, the one who's like trying to girl talk with Rebecca and who's still trying to be the best coach he can be. But he's really, he's going to have to deal with stuff that he went through last season. It doesn't just go away because there's a new season of television. And I think, again, it's another smart move on the writer's behalf to say, we're not going to pretend like that didn't happen just because it's season two. And there are TV shows where, you know, you from the beginning, you see there's going to be a showdown at the end with our hero and the villain. And this isn't the same kind of thing, but you know that there's going to have to be some sort of come to Jesus moment between Ted, his his emotions, his feelings towards his divorce and everything that's gone on in his life. And the sports psychologist, this therapist that that is already well set up for us, that there will be some sort of meeting in the middle there. Sure. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I think like clearly she's not just there. Obviously, she wasn't just there for Danny. I think that's what they intended at first, but then when other players felt comfortable in that environment to say, "Let me go in there, let me talk to her," she's clearly going to be a staple. And of course, it's fitting, given every like given everything we're talking about this week with sports psychology and the role of mental health when playing sports. I mean, this show even unintentionally is is super relevant, but. Of course, Ted Lasso knew ahead of of course, these people knew ahead of time that this would be very important a week after season one. Of course they did. Episode one. Just so good. Fucking Um, Sudeikis. Just (laughs) so good. Sudeikis, Brendan Hunt, uh, Bill Lawrence, just just doing God's work with this show. A couple. (laughs) I mean, just a couple nominees for see, I I can't not. I mean, the the press conference, that story about Ted story about Hank the dog, this quote. It's funny the things in life that make you cry just knowing they existed can then become the same thing to make you cry knowing they're now gone. Let me go cry in my closet for an hour after hearing that. That was so it was moving. And at the same time, it made me uncomfortable. Not not as a complaint. It's just more of they just really like came out gunslinging with this episode. You know, there wasn't any easing in. It was like, we're going to start with a dog dying. <laughs> and then We're going to go into a press conference where Trent Grimm, the independent, asks a question. And Ted immediately goes into this monologue about a dog. And that's our first indication, right? That he's not okay. Like, it's a moving monologue, don't get me wrong. But it doesn't make sense. It's not a, it's not a, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's not like a rational response to what was happening. And the fact that Ted just went off on this, I think it's uncomfortable for a reason. I think the writers want it to feel weird. They want it to feel like, why are you telling this super long story when it's just a press conference? Yeah, it came way out of left field. It wasn't it wasn't like full of lassoisms, you know, like he yeah. would make some sort of thing like it, it came from a deeper place. And maybe not all related to uh, to the death of our good friend Earl the dog. Yes. Um, I shout out to Coach Roy. That was that was great. I I need a video of the retirement press conference. Like, there's no way the show leaves us hanging with that. But I also the the last. I think my the best scene is dinner is after dinner. It's that Roy moment. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad we got to see what wine night with the yoga mums is like. Oh my god, yes. And it's funny because it's at that point in the show that you're like, they have tied up all the loose ends. That we had from not that we had loose ends last season, but it's more of just they've answered the question of what happened to these people since we've left them. And there's one glaring omission. It's like, what the hell happened to Jamie? Is he still just like being a dick and playing soccer? And it was the most perfect way to bring him back in. And especially with Roy, you know, his whole thing with them with the yoga moms, they don't know who he is. So he's just some guy to them. But 
you know, I really, and actually let me back up a little bit because this is another scene I love too. So we know that Roy is retired and we know that Keely, she's trying to think of the best thing for him to do with his time. He's obviously coaching, um, soccer at a very young level. <laughs> this Nine point. U West London girls. Yes. Uh, with his niece. But Keeley is, is, she's looking out for the best of him, and he has an opportunity to essentially be a sports broadcaster for a station in England, and he doesn't want to do it. And it's very typical, Roy, that he wouldn't want to do that. He's not the guy who's going to be charismatic and, like, play off of a, another person. She sees it as a good opportunity for him because she worries that he misses the game too much. She's not trying to push him into money. She doesn't need his money. But... Another thing that happened at that dinner with Rebecca and what's his face, which I'm going to leave it there because I think it's what's his face is appropriate. Is I don't Keely, think we're going to see him again anyways. We're good. I know. And so Keely makes a comment to him. Like, I think you should do it. And then, you know, obviously we lead into the scene where he tells Rebecca what's up, but we don't really get an answer to that. And she calls, Keely calls Roy later and says, I feel like a little shit because I used our fun night together to try to make you do something you didn't want to do. It was tacky, and I'm sorry. And he's at the yoga night with the moms, and he says, it's very sweet, thank you. And I, put, I recorded this scene, too, and I put it on my Instagram story with, like, all caps, this is what a non-toxic relationship <laughs> looks like. Like, you do something shitty, and then you talk about it, and you apologize. You don't play games, and you don't go passive-aggressive, and you don't give them the silent treatment. You say, oh, I was really shitty for doing that, and I love you, and I'm sorry. This show last season gave us a lot of great templates for human interaction and how you should talk to people and and stuff like that. And now it's like, okay, in season two, we're going to give you great examples of couple interaction, how healthy couples talk out their feelings and talk out their problems. I love it. Just a masterclass. Let's take a quick ad break and get back with our best one-liner. What's up, Big Screen Sports listeners? I am here today to talk to you about tipping pitches. What is tipping pitches? Tipping pitches is Alex Baisley and Bobby Wagner. You might recognize those names from our episode covering Moneyball. They joined the podcast, one of my favorite episodes from back in March. I've been on their show a few times. They've been on Big Screen Sports a couple times. And tipping pitches is one of my favorite baseball podcasts in the game. I listen to it every single Monday. That is no bullshit. Tipping pitches is the baseball podcast that thinks baseball should be fun, but isn't afraid to talk about the things that actually prevent that. Ever wonder why local blackouts are stopping you from watching your favorite team? Do you want to understand how baseball is the only sport with an antitrust exemption? Or what it would be like if your team's fan base bought the team? Tipping Pitches is the podcast for you. I'm a huge fan of Bobby and Alex. If you listen to our Moneyball episode, you probably are too. Go check out Tipping Pitches. Releases every Monday. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Those guys also have the best shirts in the game. They're selling the unionized, the minor shirts. You're supporting a great message and wearing a cool shirt. They just dropped some that are in uh, my beloved Minnesota Twins colors. I, I grabbed both versions. Uh, Go check out Tipping Pitches for fans that love the game but aren't content seeing it get corporatized. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so we're back, uh, obviously, in season one of Ted Lasso, a million great one-liners. What stood out to you in this episode, in the uh, first episode of season two? There are a lot of great ones, and I will say, I think the show was almost too packed with one-liners, especially at the beginning. They really front-loaded this to where it felt like too much, and even the whole, like, him going in the office, and it was like, Ted, it was, it was a lot. But again, I think it was intentional. My favorite one, I should have written it down because I don't have it verbatim, but Rebecca offers Ted a cocktail. Like, what does she say? Would you like a cocktail? And he says, I feel the same way about it as I do, like going on a date with Diane Sawyer. Yes, please. (laughs) And I don't know if you saw, but Diane Sawyer has responded to that. She is down with a date with Ted, and I hope this is a (laughs) storyline. That would be, oh my God, that would be amazing. Um, I had a couple... Uh, my favorite was, I uh, haven't seen someone so disappointed to see me since I wore a red baseball cap to a Planned Parenthood fundraiser. That was brilliant. I loved that. Uh, a subtle one was when um, when Ted told Higgins, may the force be with you. And Higgins said, and also with you, and Ted like crossed himself. I know. <laughs> it was really subtle, but it was very good. And uh, then Rebecca is right after... Uh, right after Earl has passed away and they're looking at Twitter and Rebecca said, did we really make Michael Jordan cry? I know. I love when Higgins is like, oh, the great thing about, you know, being in the championship league is we don't have as many televised games. And she's like, yes, but the internet Higgins. And he goes, the goddamn internet. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it so much. It was great. Yet again, another a theme of our season one rewatch is we got like we're over halfway done with this and we're like, oh, and this great Higgins things like he is so he's so subtle, but he's so good. Every there's not a wasted Higgins moment. He's always on. And I mean, it's very telling. I don't think I can't remember now if the last episode that we did for season one happened before the Emmy nominations. It might have, but I'll say it again. The fact that. All of the supporting actors on this show got nominated for an Emmy, especially in the male category. You have, right? You have Roy and Jamie and Nate and uh, Higgins. I think Jamie is the only one who did not. You have, oh, he I didn't? think, yeah, I think Beard. So Brendan Hunt, right. Beard, uh, Jeremy Swift, Brett Goldstein, and Nick Muhammad. And Correct. then Phil Dunster, Jamie got left out. Well, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Phil. I'm sure you're a great guy. <laughs> Jamie's fine. just a Jamie's just a tough hang. What else worked about this episode that we haven't touched on yet? Oh God! I mean, besides I'm, everything. I mean, I think bringing the sports psychologist in early and immediately saying we're not going to let up on mental health just because maybe the personal tragedies are over. Because I, you know, I think it's a great tool for writers to use traumatic things as an intro point to say, "Hey, let's talk about mental health. Let's make it a conversation." And the fact that even though trauma's not gone, like we have a Rebecca, like a version of Rebecca who's removed from Rupert. We have Ted who's still getting over his divorce, but some time has passed, you know? And it's showing, like they're not going right in on Ted. They're saying, let's use an opportunity to show 
what a sports psychologist does. Let's show them the role of mental health when it comes to playing sports, but also in our lives. And let's do it with Danny Rojas. And I just think like that you can tell from the first scene. What's her name? Um, Brownstone. Dr. Fieldstone. Fieldstone. That's right. Sharon, right? Did I get that right? Sharon? I believe. I just wrote down Dr. Fieldstone. Or Doc. Um, Doc. (laughs) You can tell from the first scene that she's going to be there a while. This isn't just, oh, they brought in somebody to do that. The fact that they're not letting up, especially because you were right, they don't have any more major exposition to let up on. They don't have to show Ted's origin story. They don't have to devote all this energy they're clearly going in and saying, if you didn't watch the first episode, you need to go back and watch it because we're not going to give you any breaks. <laughs> we're going to start and go in hard on this. And so it's not so much a specific thing that works, but I think just the structure of the episode itself was great. Yeah, you need to have some prior knowledge for this one to work. The yips are also a great sports movie, sports show plot device. Uh, yes. Sometimes they're used for extreme comedic effect. This time is kind of in the middle. We've got, we've got some comedy from from the yips and what's going on because we, we get that hat tip of apparently Danny Rojas is is rivaling Coach Beard for having a lot of sex. Uh, <laughs> we, we get him screaming in bed with two women, but <laughs> I mean, some. but it also goes into the the psychology and the the mental part of it because like the yips happen in Tin Cup, but it's it's more of a it's a much more comedic thing, and it's like Costner resorting to getting drunk and changing up a bunch of things with how he dresses to fix them. Whereas here, let's actually look at the the mental side of it. It's an important part of sports. It's the last decade, I think it it has um, we've we've greatly expanded how much we talk about mental health and sports, and like we said, especially in the last week. So I think it's going to be a very timely plot. It's a great plot device, and hopefully, it lets us you know it lets us learn even more about Ted, and and kind of we get to we get to watch Ted work out all these feelings. I'm I'm actually kind of looking forward to that, even though it might be might be an emotional watch. Um, I'm also, do you know anyone who's Dutch? Because Jan Moss, <laughs> I'm just being Dutch. I feel like that's a running bit I'm going to enjoy all season. Well, here's what's funny about that. I, I guess it was like the day before the season two premiere. I read an article, uh, like an interview with Brendan Hunt that ran in the Chicago Tribune. And, you know, we've talked about on the show before how he and Jason were in Boom Chicago, an improv group. And he was just talking about his Chicago roots and everything else. And he was talking about his time in Amsterdam. And we had talked previously about how that's where the Roy Kent character was born because they did a similar thing. And the guy was named Roy Keane. And it was like a whole thing over there. And he made that joke in the interview. <laughs> he was like, you'd have Dutch people coming up after the show. Like, this wasn't very funny. <laughs> you didn't do a great job. And then he told the interviewer, he's like, but they're not being rude. They're just being Dutch. And he wrote the episode. So obviously... That's just like a great thing that he recycled for this. But yeah, I thought it was brilliant. It'd be a great running gig. Uh, <laughs> I, ha- I actually have two things that didn't work about this one. Go for it. One is something that I, I legitimately don't think worked and I had some some questions. So I am not sure that the doctor would be as standoffish towards Ted as she seems to be. With with mental health professionals in sports, it helps having the coach buy in and be he doesn't need to be working alongside her certainly doesn't need to be in the office he doesn't need to know what's going on but it does help to have him be a fan she's very i mean and yes ted is ted is odd objectively and especially the intro but she does seem very standoffish and and guard up to ted which i thought was kind of an interesting choice yeah you know i it could be a few things like first of all and i know we have two british listeners (laughs) this isn't like an insult but I think there is um, some potential misinterpretation of just British people in general as being sort of snooty and standoffish, 
when they don't mean to be, it's similar to like how we view New Yorkers and how we think like they're just rude when in fact they're just trying to get from point A to point B and they're not there to be especially nice. I think it to me it showed she was more skeptical of the influence he could have on undermining what she was trying to do. So just like the whole thing about, you know, she's going to say the yips out loud and she's going to say like, this isn't just something superstitious. This is an actual mental condition. I think she's like really trying to make her presence known to say this is something real. I'm not just coming in and doing a pep talk for them. We actually have to deal with our mental health and treating it like anything less than what it is is silly. So I see, I totally like get what you mean. It's, I'm not disagreeing. I just think it's hard, especially with sports psychology, because we really, as a society, just want to chalk this up to like, if you're strong, you'll push through anything. And if you're tough, you'll push through anything. And if you're supposed to be the best in the world, why can't you rally? When in fact, like this whole show is built around how external circumstances can affect what you're doing um, on and off the field. And so, yeah, I get it. But it, it, I can't tell if it's something they're setting up for later, like if there's going to be some sort of, you know, argument or confrontation. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Ted is going to end up in that office at some point, and we're going to see it. But that, that is a good point. I mean, she has to she has to be all business because there is an air of – Ted does have an air of not taking it quite as seriously. So you're, you're right in that one. The other thing I have that didn't work is what the fuck is going on with Nate? We're going to have – they're going to have to unpack that at some point. But he's rude to the kit man, and he mentions Danny's salary as a reason for motivation. There's, there's going to be some more unpacking going on with – with whatever is in Nate's head at this point. Yeah, I think like he's a new coach, right? So he's a new assistant coach and he he just sees everything in black and white because he thinks, I mean, he's always been that way. He thinks like there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. And now he's in a position of power to where his thoughts and opinions aren't just on paper anymore or when somebody gives him the chance to talk in a locker room, right? But he's clearly going too far. (laughs) He's too (laughs) uptight. And Ted and Beard see that. And like, I do think that's going to come up soon where they're like, dude, you got to chill out. This is, this is just, isn't how you lead people. It's not what leadership is. You're just bullying them. And Nate means well, but again, he's a young age of 41. (laughs) I was going to say that is not my 41 year old skincare God, Nate. That is not my sweet, precious Nate. I just want to know how old he's supposed to be on the show. That's all. But to me, yeah, it's just, it reads as like, oh God, they're going to have to reel him in and make him realize like, coaching is not just barking orders at people and being in a position of power and ted has proven that so Mm -hmm. what's the best ted moment of the episode i think the only thing we haven't talked about is when he helps rebecca pick out a nail polish love that i thought that was so cute um the best one is a sad one i think when he opens up to beard and says like i feel weird about a therapist and you notice he doesn't fight it he doesn't say like keep it away from me but this is another indication he's not okay and he's going back to the divorce and he's saying like, you know, because last season, remember when he talked about the therapist and he wasn't negative, but he wasn't necessarily positive either. But he was like, you know, she has us use this word, Oklahoma. And she, you know, it was this whole thing about the therapist, like couples counseling, trying to help them. He wasn't negative about it. And clearly it's taken him a few months to realize he's looking back now and saying, actually... Now that I reprocess that memory, this is how I interpreted it going. This is how I felt that it went. I felt like they were ganging up on me just to tell me something was wrong with me. You know, who's to say if he's right or wrong? And it's a fictional character and it's fine. 
Um, but it makes sense. I mean, he's clearly, I, this is more than just him missing his wife and missing his son. He's dealing with the whole fallout of, of her saying like, you're too happy all the time. You're, you know, you're too this. And he is dealing with feelings of inadequacy. I think of he wasn't enough, no matter how many times we replay the episode where (laughs) he says, I've never given up on anything. And she said, you're not quitting. You're just letting me go. But that isn't an answer. It's an answer in TV land, usually. And that's why I say, like, the show, again, is just breaking norms and not letting us give up on certain storylines that are going to persist. Yeah, because he could have, they could have just easily said, you know, Ted be like, yeah, you know, it just didn't work out with this therapist. And I, you know, I don't, it just, it didn't work for us. And I don't trust her or something. But he says, you know, I went in there, I felt like I wasn't being heard or I wasn't being listening to and just being told that I was wrong. And he has this, this sincere uh, you know, opinion of why he's why he's very tentative and having the sports psychologist come in, and yeah. um, you know, and and Beard equates it to when, when Ted told him uh, to you know that not all dancers are going to be the same, and apparently <laughs> Beard got over that. So um, you know, hopefully Ted can get over it too. Is there uh, for the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award? Is there um, is there anyone who can compete with Roy? Like this is Roy's episode, no. pretty much. And I think I said to you, is Roy the star of this episode? Because it got, and it's so funny because all of us, when we were watching the trailers leading up to it, that last trailer, which was the most detailed one, we only saw Roy in one little scene. And so everyone was like, oh no, Roy's not going to have a big part. He's not going to have a big role. What's going to happen? And of course, he just steals the entire first episode. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually just Roy's show now. It's Roy's show. And I'm, I honestly, I'm fine with it. Totally fine. I mean, Brett Goldstein just scene stealer multiple times. The The scene after dinner is huge, but the coaching is funny. The yoga night, just a flawless performance. He does a shutout in this one. Um, lastly, what is a, obviously this episode is five biscuits. I don't think we need to, I don't think yeah, we, we need don't to bother to with that. that. We don't need to bother with that anymore. Uh, what is a question you want answered or have about the next episode? What do you want to see? Oh, God. That's a good question that I should have thought about before now. I want to dig more into what Ted's deal is. I want to know more about why isn't he okay? Is it just re- residual feelings from the divorce? Is, you know, I mean, he's in his second season now. He's not just the new kid in London anymore. There's, you know, he's got more going on. And I hope we get into that more. This was a great episode for setting Roy up, and I loved it. But Ted really did take a back seat here. And I want to see... I want to know more precisely about what he's going through. I want to know what the hell is going on with Jamie. <laughs> I kind of do too. <laughs> How often does a pro athlete who is active in his prime go on a trash dating show? Like what if like what if Mac Jones went on The Bachelor in Paradise or something? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a move for sure. A lot of like I've never watched Love Island, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. And obviously that's a you know, a parody of Love Island or, or, you know. So I don't know if maybe it's a cultural thing. Usually you get the washed up athletes that are on the shows, but I just love his stupid eyebrow. And what did he say? He's the top scorer in England or something, or I don't know. Yeah, something about being a top scorer. Yeah, it's, we were kind of wondering, is Jamie going to show growth? All signs point to no right now. We don't know for sure. Maybe, like, maybe this is just, maybe in the next episode he'll be like, hey guys, I've really, I've been enlightened and my future is in reality TV and I'm sorry for being mean to everybody. Maybe It'd be almost kind of awesome if all 
all we see of Jamie this year is clips from the show. <laughs> if they use that as some sort of device, but I'm obviously I'm very excited. At time of recording, we have a little less than 48 hours to see the next episode. Really looking forward to it. Alex, so glad to be back talking Ted Lasso with you. Tell the folks again where they can follow you and check out all your new work. You can follow me everywhere, pretty much at Alex McDaniel. You can follow For the Win at For the Win or just check out our stuff at ftw.usatoday.com. We're doing lots of fun stuff. We're having a lot of fun over there, so please check it out. And if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please subscribe, rate, review if you're on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think about the show. Those ratings and reviews help a ton. We will have another episode on Monday, the long-awaited Creed episode with uh, writer for Insider Bradford William Davis. That one is finally coming out. Alex and I will be back next next Thursday breaking down Season 2. And again, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash bigscreensports, and we'll see you on Monday. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.